Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. Take your scriptures in hand and turn with me to Job chapter 19, and we're going to be reading verses 13 through 15 in just a moment. We are continuing our series tonight, All By Myself, Overcoming Loneliness, and tonight's message is titled, The Loneliness of Suffering, The Loneliness of Suffering. One writer shared a story of a schoolboy who was expelled from his school for misbehaving. And he stood outside the classroom and he started just throwing pebbles at the windows. Finally, the principal went outside and confronted the boy and said, why are you throwing pebbles against the window? And the little boy said, I just wanted everybody to know that I'm still here. In our trouble, we want people to know that we are still here. We want them to care. When we don't have that, we experience loneliness. The reason that we feel that way is because God has placed in each of us a basic need for relationship with him and with others. And we often try to dull the feelings of loneliness by keeping busy with ceaseless activity or going on social media for hours on end and finding comfort in things like food or shopping. And some people even turn to alcohol or immoral sexual encounters that provide momentary pleasure to numb the pain of loneliness. But they only find out that that just creates greater problems in their lives and causes the ache of emptiness to increase. And according to recent research done by a major healthcare provider, loneliness is at epidemic levels in America with more than three out of five Americans saying that they feel lonely. The study cites the fact that pervasive loneliness has widespread effects and is strongly linked to mental health issues such as anxiety and depression, which, by the way, are are at all-time highs in our society right now as well, and it also has negative impacts on physical health. Loneliness is a universal human emotion that every one of us experiences or will experience in our life. One author asks, do you know where the most remote place in the world is? The most remote place in the world is in the heart of a lonely person. And you don't have to look around very far or very long to find lonely people. The author goes on to explain that loneliness doesn't come from being alone. It comes from feeling alone. If you feel like you're facing life alone, or you're facing death alone, or you're facing disease alone, or you're even facing health alone. You can feel very lonely. And that's how Job, a righteous man, felt, and he described it in these words in Job 19, verses 13 through 15. My relatives stay far away, and my friends have turned against me. My family is gone, and my close friends have forgotten me. My servants and maids consider me a stranger. I am like a foreigner to them. Now, one of the main causes of loneliness is suffering. And perhaps no one in scripture except for Jesus suffered more than Job suffered. In a single day, he lost all of his wealth, he lost all of his children, 
and then he lost his health. After he lost his health, he lost the love and support of his wife who told him, just curse God and die. And then he lost the compassion of his friends who began to accuse him that he must have done some terrible sin to deserve all of his suffering. When bad things happen to us, our whole world seemingly changes overnight. We feel shaken, insecure, overwhelmed, and disconnected. And that can make us feel very lonely. We can feel far away from friends and family. We can feel forgotten by God, and that is how Job felt. And we can learn a lot from Job and the loneliness of suffering and how to deal with it. The first thing I want us to see, suffering can make us feel far away from friends and family. Suffering often causes us to feel that no one understands. So just picture Job having lost everything. He's covered from head to toe with painful boils, sitting on an ash heap, scraping himself with broken pieces of pottery because that's the only relief that he can get. And looking for the support of his wife, his wife comes to him and says, what good has it been to serve God? Look what you're going through. Just curse God and die. Wow, a lot of comfort from your spouse, amen? And then Job's friends show up. And for the first seven days, they did pretty good. They just sat silently with Job. And you know, there's a wonderful comfort in the presence of loved ones, right? So they offered to him the ministry of presence, and they were doing pretty good for those first seven days until they opened their mouth. And they began to accuse Job. And they began to say, Job, you must have done something really bad to deserve all of this that you're going through. Now, now his friends, you got to understand, they came with good intentions. They loved Job, and they were trying to offer uh, the wisdom that they had to bring some comfort or understanding to Job by finding a reason for why he was going through what he was going through. But somehow their words were bankrupt. They were unable to sympathize. I mean, they sympathized up to a point, but they could not bring themselves to, to comfort Job and be there for him in what he was going through. Before Job's friends came, he was all alone on the, on the garbage heap, and after they came, he was more deeply alone as he sat alongside of them but felt completely misunderstood, judged, and uncared for by them. Do you know that you can feel lonely when you're alone, but you can often feel more lonely when you have people around you that should understand you, should support you, and should comfort you, but then they don't. That can make the loneliness even greater. Are you following me? And, and, and in verse 15, he says he feels like a stranger to his family and friends. Why? Because no one could understand what he was feeling or going through. And the truth is that most people, even though they're well-intentioned, they don't know what to do or, or what to say when someone is suffering or hurting. I mean, if we'd be honest, sometimes we're hard-pressed to know how to speak to someone or what to do to bring comfort to someone who is going through a difficult time. 
And, and the enemy uses this. This is one of his deceptions that he uses to isolate us when we're going through trials. He causes us to think that we are the only person who has ever suffered like this and that no one will ever be able to understand our pain and that no one cares. So when someone does come to comfort us and says something like, I understand what you're going through. Hmm. Our reaction is generally to think, if we don't say it, no, you don't. You don't understand what I'm going through. You've never experienced what I've experienced. Now, we may not verbalize it, but that's what we often think inside. And if the devil can get us to believe that no one has ever gone through what we've gone through and that no one can truly understand it, it will cause us to withdraw even from those that God has brought to us to provide support and encouragement. Because the enemy knows that he is much more likely to be able to defeat you and to get you depressed if you're all alone. So he wants to separate you from your relationships. The danger of shutting others out is that it cuts us off from those who can surround us with truth when the enemy is lying to us and trying to fill us with all of his deceptions. And the truth is that our suffering, whatever it is that we may be going through, is not unique to us. I want to say that again. Whatever you are going through, whatever suffering you may be facing, it is not unique to you. You are not the only person who has ever gone through what you're going through. How do I know that? Because the Bible says so. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No trial or, or no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. So there's no trial, no difficulty, no pain, no suffering that you'll ever go through that you're the only one who's ever experienced it. If, you, if you've lost a loved one, other people have lost loved ones. If you've had a financial downturn, there are other people who have had financial setbacks. If you're going through a health challenge, there's other people who have endured sickness and disease, amen? Yes, your journey is unique to you, but your suffering is something that others have experienced as well. In Job's case, maybe no one had lost all their children at one time, but they knew what it was to lose a loved one. Maybe no one in Job's circle had lost all of their wealth, but I'm certain that there were those in his circle that struggled financially and knew financial setbacks. Maybe there was no one in his circle that had lost the love and support of their wife, but they probably all knew what it was to have marital problems. Maybe none of them had suffered all of those things together, but nonetheless, they were acquainted with suffering. And whatever you're going through, it is not unique to you. There are people around you, people right here in this church body that have gone through what you're going through. And they will be there to stand with you, to pray for you, to encourage you and support you. But you've got to let them in. You've got to let them in. Suffering can make us feel like we are an island by ourselves. We look across and we see everyone going on with our life as if we are an outside observer of life 
trapped in a prison of our suffering. And I never knew what that felt like until I was diagnosed with stage three cancer. And you felt like you were standing outside a window looking at everybody else going on with their life. But you almost felt like you could not participate in that because you had a death sentence over you. You know, so suffering can, can be very isolating and, and, and make you feel trapped in a prison of suffering. Even a non-serious illness can cut us off from others, causing us to miss out on family gatherings and get-togethers with friends. We know that because we just went through COVID a couple years ago where we had to miss out for a time on Thanksgivings and Christmas and all of that stuff. So, so I mean, there were serious cases of COVID, but even in lesser cases, it separated you for your, from your family. One author likens the loneliness of suffering to the title of an old play, Laughter in the Room Next Door. And the picture is that of someone alone in their apartment, but they can hear life going on in the room next door, and there is happiness and laughter, but they are not a part of it, and they feel cut off and all the more isolated. In verse 13, Job says, my relatives stay far away and my friends have turned against me. Job is expressing how he's feeling. He's feeling lonely. He's feeling isolated. He's feeling far away from the people and the life that he used to know and that he used to enjoy. Are you feeling lonely due to suffering? Has your husband or wife left you? Have you lost a loved one through death? Have you lost a job? Are you facing a health uh, issue, experiencing a sickness in your body, going through something that you feel that others cannot understand? Do you feel that you are marooned on an emotional deserted island by yourself? I want you to know that Jesus understands. The Bible says that he has felt everything that we feel. He knows what it is to be misunderstood by those closest to us, even his own disciples did not understand that he had to go to the cross. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he experienced a deep agony of soul as he faced the cross, and he asked those closest to him, Peter, James, and John, to pray with him. In the greatest hour of his need, he asked those closest to him to pray with him. And guess what? He came back three times and found him sleeping. He said, couldn't you even pray with me for one hour? I mean, those that were supposed to be his spiritual comfort and support fell asleep and left him alone in the hour of his greatest need. So he understands the loneliness of your suffering. Jesus knew loneliness, he knew rejection, he knew sorrow, frustration, disappointment, temptation, poverty, loss, grief, weariness. He knew it all. Hebrews 4.15 reminds us that Jesus, our high priest, understands our weaknesses because he has faced all of the same testings that we do, do yet without sin. And as much as we'd like our friends or our family to understand and comfort us, no one can understand us and no one can comfort us like Jesus. But just as suffering can make us feel far from friends and family, 
Suffering can make us feel forsaken by God. Suffering can cause us to question God's care for us. Job's friends had been repeatedly telling Job, you must have sinned to be going through what you're going through. You need to repent. You need to get right with God. And Job keeps protesting, no, I'm righteous. And he, he protests that he wants an answer from, from God for what's going on in his life. In fact, in Job 23, 4, he says, if I knew where to find him, I would go there and I would argue my case and make him give me an answer. Have you ever felt that way with God? God, I want you to give me an answer for why I'm going through what I'm going through, you know? See, I told you if you felt that way, what you're going through is not unique to you because Job went through that too, amen? But even though he said, if I knew where God was, I would go to him and argue his, my case and make him give me an answer. Down in verses eight and nine, he says, but I cannot find God anywhere. I can't find him in front of me. I can't find him behind me. I look to my left, I look to my right, and I can't find him anywhere. Job has been suffering intensely, and he says, I can't seem to find God in the midst of my misery. And Job is crying out, where are you, God? You know, David felt this way as well in a time of suffering in Psalm 22.1. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the cries of my anguish. Have you ever felt that way? All right. These are the very words that Jesus echoed on the cross as he was suffering, hanging there on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus has felt everything that you feel. And in times of suffering, we often feel forsaken. We feel far from God, and we cry out, but our prayers seem to fall on deaf ears. We cannot feel his presence like we once did. There is no comforting word of assurance. There's no healing touch, just a, a soul-crushing emptiness as we feel the void of his seeming absence. Yet God has promised us that he will never Leave us, nor forsake us. He has promised to hear us when we cry out to him. He has promised to be a very present help in the time of trouble. He has promised to walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death and to be with us in the fire and the flood. Hallelujah. So whether we can feel him or not, he is there. Whether we can feel him or not, he is there. But suffering tests our faith. It tests our faith. Are we really going to believe that you are there because you said so, God? Job was a righteous man, and he could not understand how God would allow him to suffer like he was suffering. And we often think if we're a good person, it'll keep us from suffering. But that's not biblical. Jesus said, in this world, and he was talking to Christians, in this world you will have trouble. Peter tells us, don't think it's strange when fiery trials come upon you. You know, so the Bible time and time again, the Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. It didn't say you won't have affliction. It just says God will deliver you. Amen.
But time and time again, the Bible tells us that we're going to go through some stuff, some hard stuff. We're going to go through some suffering. We're going to go through some pain. But we think if a person's good, then it should keep us from suffering. But the real question is, who is good and by whose standards? The Bible says that no one is good. There is none righteous, not even one. We have all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Yet in his mercy, he loves us, he desires a relationship with us, and he helps us when we cry to him in the time of trouble. So here we have Job, a righteous man who loses everything in a day and his life is turned upside down. And the Bible tells us that there was something happening behind the scenes that Job was not aware of and that we often are unaware of as well. In Job 2, we are told that Satan appeared before the throne of God. And Satan came to not only accuse Job, but accuse God. His name, Satan, means the accuser. And he accused Job, he accused Job of only serving God for the blessings he received from God. And then Satan accused God, in essence, of only being worthy of man's worship if he bribes men to worship him by giving them blessings. He says, that's the only reason Job worships you. That's the only reason you're worthy of worship is because you do good things. You bless people. And you know what? We buy into that lie of the enemy today as well. There are so many people that the minute hardship uh, hits their life, they abandon their faith in God. They turn their back on God. And we buy into the lie of the enemy. But you know what? God is God in the good times and the bad times. And he is worthy of our worship. Whether he, he ever blesses us again, whether he ever answers a prayer again, he is still God and he is still worthy of our worship. Amen? But, but Satan says to the Lord, he said, if you take away his blessings, he will surely curse you to your face. And so Satan asks permission to afflict Job. And God gives him that permission within limits. So what we see is there's a spiritual battle that was being waged behind the scenes that Job had no clue was going on. But Job is not aware of this cosmic spiritual battle and he cannot understand why God is allowing him to suffer. Yet despite all of his questions, Job clung to his faith. He held fast to what he knew to be true in the good times of his life. And in Job 23, 9 and 10, it says, right after he cries, that he looks in front of him and behind him and to the left and to the right, and he can't find God, he then says this. He says, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. And Job is saying, even though I can't see him, even though I can't find him anywhere in my circumstances, I know that he knows what I'm going through. And I know that he is working and that he will bring me out. I know that he knows and cares about all that I'm suffering. And this is a test. And when he has tested me, he will bring me out of it and I will come forth as gold. Amen? Hallelujah. 
folks, we got to realize that when we're going through stuff, it is a test and we can't afford to fail the test. Amen. Satan wants us to fail the test, but God wants that test to strengthen us and to show us who God is in the midst of the trial. Amen. And in verse 17, Job goes on to say, I am not silenced by the darkness. Sometimes we allow the darkness of our suffering to silence us, to silence our praise, to silence our worship, to silence our prayers. Amen. We say, why bother even praying? Look what I'm going through. I I don't feel like worshiping God. I don't feel like praising him. I'm going through X, Y, and Z. But Job declared, I am not silenced by the darkness. Hallelujah. The darkness of his circumstance could not silence the voice of his worship, the voice of his praise, the voice of prayer. He was going to cry to God all the more until he got an answer. In the time of suffering, when they felt forsaken by God, David cried out to God. Jesus cried out to God. Paul in prison suffering cried out to God. You see, Suffering skews our perspective. The darkness keeps us from seeing God. And the devil makes us think that God doesn't love us, that God is not with us, that God has forgotten us. But we need to keep crying out to God. We need to cling to our faith. And we need to trust that God has not left us, that God has not stopped loving us, and that God has not stopped working for our good. Hallelujah. And the story of Job ends with Job's, Job humbled and repenting before God for questioning God. And it ends with Job being blessed with double the wealth that he had lost. But Job realized the greatest blessing of all when he said, my ears had heard about you, but now my eyes have seen you. He had heard all sorts of things about God. But in his suffering, he experienced a deeper revelation of God. He experienced a deeper knowledge of God than he had ever had before. And Job said, you know what? That's the greatest blessing. Not the double wealth, not the restoration of my kids or my family, but the revelation of God that I received through my suffering. Hallelujah. A pastor sat next to an elderly lady named Alma on an airplane. And as they talked, she shared how she came to Christ. She told him that she had gotten pregnant at 16 years old and she was not married. Well, back in those days, that was a very shameful thing. And so she was deserted by all of her friends, ostracized by the people who lived around her, and she became a social outcast. She felt all alone. She shared that there was a point where she was contemplating suicide. But one day, a voice spoke to her out of the blue and said, Alma, you are not alone if you'll have me. She said that voice repeated itself several times. Alma, you are not alone if you will have me. She said it was at that point in her life that she began to honestly and diligently seek the Lord. She got on her knees and she said, Lord, I have you, Jesus Christ, come into my heart. And then she looked at the pastor and she said, that was over 50 years ago. And I realized, as long as I have Jesus, 
I am not alone. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. Church, as long as you have the Lord, you will never be alone, no matter what you're going through. And let me tell you something. He said, I am a very present help in the time of trouble. He is closer to us in the time of our suffering than at any other time in our life. Even if we can't feel him, even if we can't see him, he said, I am a very present help in the time of trouble. Amen. So you will never suffer alone because he will be right there with you. Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet and just give the Lord some praise tonight? Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We thank you that you're a very present help in the time of trouble. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who never leaves us nor forsakes us, Lord God. We thank you that you're a God who walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. We thank you that you are a God who goes through, through us, through the flood with us, that goes through the fire with us, Lord God, and you bring us out, Lord God. Father, we just give you praise and honor tonight, Lord God. And Father, I pray particularly for anyone tonight that may be going through a time of suffering in their life I pray for the comfort of your presence to surround them right now Lord God that you would hold them in the embrace of your love and that you would make your presence so very near to them Lord God Father minister to their lives tonight and Father I pray that you would help us help us Lord God to become better comforters of one another help us Lord God by the Holy Spirit to be that presence that will support, that will encourage, that will minister grace to those that are suffering, Lord God. Father, we pray these things in the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen. God bless you, new life. We love you. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift To help support our ministry, you can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.